श्री गुरु वैष्णव गुरु परंपरा की जाए हरि नाम प्रभु की जाए कौर भक्तवृंद की जाए कौर प्रेमानंदी हरि बो गुड इवनिंग एवरीवन नाइस टू बी हियर अगेन एंड विद प्रीटी मच फेमिलियर फेसेस चेंज अ लिटिल बिट बट प्रीटी मच द सेम एंड सो आई बी हियर टुडे टुनाइट एंड टुमारो नाइट एंड at uh, the request of uh, my dear student Gurangi Priya I've been speaking about uh, Dhamma or Hastakam and we spoke a little bit about the first verse and somewhat about the second verse in the last few evenings with a brief interruption at uh, last night's engagement to speak to the general public so here we are amongst ourselves again comfortable and at home and free to dive uh, deeper within the uh, the depths of the ocean of the uh, Damodar Leela so last uh, last discussion we made a connection actually we were faced with a bit of a dilemma because our host one the wife asked us to speak about shikshastakam's third verse and the husband asked us to speak about the next verse of the um, damodarastakam so i didn't want to get in between the two of them but uh <laughs> i managed to tie the two of them together and they do they have a natural connection with one another and we kind of ended on that uh point with some some emphasis and the the connection being that um basically that the that the rope of affection that Yashoda Mai bound Krishna's belly and the mortar belly to the mortar tying them both uh the, the rope of affection of bhakti that she bound them with that it became i should say it became possible for her to to make the connection to make the knot which as you know was 2 inches too short she had started with the ribbon in her hair Jijiva Goswami beautifully uh, describes this uh, leela the feeling of Vatsalya Bhakti and his Gopal Champu is a wonderful wonderful section there so uh, so much feeling he had for it upon hearing it and then writing it speaking writing it again poetically as he did in Gopal Champu anyway she takes the ribbon there from her hair only the ribbon and of course it's 2 inches too short and then the neighboring ladies who had complained earlier about Krishna's coming to their houses and stealing butter and yogurt and, and so forth that caused mother Yashoda to question the uh, the king of the cowherds Nanda Maharaj what kind of cows have you got what kind of milk are they producing that our son is going elsewhere for milk so some special cows were gathered and special grasses were grown and those cows were grazing on those grasses and from that milk it was that milk that she had on the stove special milk sometimes those cows are called padmaganda because the smell of their milk was like the the, the padmaganda the smell the ganda of the padma of the lotus they were special cows like swans or said to be special birds that only take the 
the tip of the of the lotus flower for their for their meal, something like that. So special cows, special grasses, special milk, and a special occasion it happened to be because as we've heard, it was a tradition at that time of year. This is occurring on Diwali, the festival of light. The kind of the eve, the New Year's Eve of ancient Indian India today as well. And why Malayasoda was met with this dilemma as to attending to the boiling over milk or continuing to tender to her son who was suckling her breast. It shouldn't have been an issue, but because the, the Indra Yagya was being arranged for, this was an annual affair. As you know, the Diwali is followed by Anukut, the New Year's Day. So it, it's a harvest festival. And, uh, and it's, it, then it has come to be the, the Govardhan Puja, when Krishna showed that I'm the harvest and the source of the harvest and, and so forth. You know, the hill itself was quite nourishing everyone in the community. Therefore, Govardhan, increasing, nourishing the go, and the go was their livelihood, the cows. So, like, you know, you see beautiful mountains sometimes, and you feel like, oh, they're just giving so much life providing for so many species. It's very inspiring, and they're very noble and, and whatnot. So with Mount Govardhan, and to the extreme. At any rate, previous to Krishna's growing a little older, this Indra Yogi was going on, so uh, it occurred on this, this day, so everyone was out on Diwali making arrangements. So the Rani, Yashoda Mai, is, is the queen of the cowherd people on the margin of the king. And for cowherds, they were quite uh, well off, so she had servants, maid servants, assistants, and so forth that could have tended to the milk and and so on, or watched her son, or as may be the case, but they were all out on this occasion. And so she was left home alone. And there was that milk, that was special milk, and boiling over, wanting to offer itself to Krishna, about to commit suicide and flow into the fire if it couldn't get seva, and so forth. So Rani Jashoda, she decided to put Krishna down and tend to the milk, tend to the service of that which is dear to Krishna, another devotee, to facilitate another devotee, something like that. Krishna ostensibly took offense, but actually this is the way to endear ourselves to Krishna. Sometimes it's said that Vaishnavism is indirect. Pujapad Sridhar once told me this directly. He said, our position is the fifth position, First there is Krishna, then there is Krishna Das, then there's the Das of Krishna, Das, Anudas. So Krishna, Das, Das, Anudas, that's four, and then we come in the fifth position. And of course this is the, this is as direct as you can get. The more indirect in a sense is the more direct that we can get. Just like we if we want to look at the stars, we have to look through a telescope. If we complain, why well, I have to look through the small lens? Why can't I look through the big one? And we'll just get a headache from that. So it is with Guru Parampara also. Krishna comes to us in a small way as the Guru, so to speak, right before us. But he's more present there than, than anywhere else. We should give our attention there, and, and then we will see as high, high into the spiritual sky as we can. So, Vishodamayi, anyway, she set this kind of example. And these are the kind of things that as I said earlier, from the Leela and the, the very illustration of Prem, before we can taste the feeling there, the bhava and so forth, 
we can draw something else from there, and, and that is lessons for for sadhana. Because why? Because we have sadhana bhakti, we have bhava bhakti, and prema bhakti. These are three natural divisions. In sadhana bhakti, there's no bhava, or well, not much to speak of. In bhava bhakti, it becomes prominently manifest in our life. And in bhava bhakti, there's some sadhana. There's the sadhana. There's the cultivation of the bhava that is dawned in our heart. So the perfection of our sadhana is to attain bhava. And then in bhava there's a kind of a sadhana, which is cultivating the bhava. In sadhana bhakti our focus will more be submission. In bhava bhakti it will be longing. And in prema bhakti, of course, there's attainment, so there's no sadhana there. And the leela is all prema bhakti, but inside of prema bhakti is bhava bhakti and sadhana bhakti. So we can draw lessons for sadhana from the leela, that if we apply, that will facilitate our coming to the point of actually feeling. Vaishnavism is really a feeling. We think about it sometimes not enough and sometimes too much. It's a feeling. And to enter into the feeling of that, then the whole thing becomes alive for us. Then the acharyas can talk about as they do in different ways and add different nuances to the leela and so forth. Are they making something up? No. They're trying to explain the feeling, helping to explain the feeling better for us. So, from the leela, from prem, if we hear properly, so we can draw inspiration for our sadhana. So here's an example. More than that, we spoke in the first verse how, of course, Sanatana Prabhu, we offered our respects to to begin with and gave some introduction about his contribution. He is the one who has singled this out, drew it from Padma Purana and Kartik Mahatmya and so forth and placed it in Sari Bhakti Vilas and advised us this should be sung and this should be sung during Kartik. And the power of that by singing that, that something of this feeling will come within you. You'll Swagosham, you will enter into the into the cow land. It's possible. The idea being that these kind of prayers they have inherent power in them. They are the expression of the of the sentiments, the feeling of great realized souls to repeat them has great power. So this is one type of vandanam prayer, to take the prayers of great realized souls and repeat them and offer them to the Lord and so forth. There are other types of course also, but this is a very, very potent form of prayer. So he's strongly recommended to us to hear, to chant this Dhamma-Daratakam during the month of Kartik, and we've explained how it corresponds with Radha and so forth and so on. But in his tika, in the first verse, he explained that first the uh, author is giving some tattva. He says it in a very kind of cryptic way, namam ishwaram satchidananda rupam. So namam, not me, but you, Ishwar, invoking the presence of his deity, and satchidananda rupam. This is like in times gone by, and it would be obvious. People were familiar with Gopal Tapani, uh, Brahma Samhita, these kind of... Shruti and other texts where Krishna described Satchidananda Krishnaya, Ishvara Parama Krishna, Satchidananda Vigraha. So these are like references to such. And this is again giving some tattva because that will be very helpful for cultivating and entering into bhava. As Krishna says in the Gita, what does he say? 
अहम सार्वस्य प्रभो मता सर्वम प्रवर्तते इति मत्वा भजन्ते मम बुद्ध भाव समन्वित नोइंग मी अहम सार्वस्य प्रभो टू बी एवरीथिंग टू बी स्वयं भगवान कृष्णस टू भगवान स्वयं दिस इज इंपॉर्टेंट दिस इज यूजफुल दिस इज एसेंशियल इफ यू आर गोइंग टू वर्शिप मी इन द वे दैट एनेबल्स यू टू मेक इंटीमेट कनेक्शन विद मी लाइक माय फ्रेंड्स एंड फैमिली मेंबर्स as i've many times said if we want to give unlimitedly which is what this leela of goloka is about it's unlimited and as they say unconditional giving and loving in order to do that you have to put two things together one thing is you've got to find the place that can take unlimitedly the center that can take unlimitedly you have to locate that this what is meant by krishna's two bhagavan swayam he can take unlimitedly and he can take love and when he takes love it means it comes back to us just like the stomach can take food and then distribute it and make it useful to us in a way that otherwise we could not so by giving to krishna he can transform it in such a way that everyone is nourished so you have to find the center you know to give on un- you can try to give unlimitedly but if the object to which you're giving cannot take it all then your attempts will be foiled and the other side of course you have to give without expectation of getting and unmotivated and so forth but if but the good thing about it and so it's emphasized you find the center even if you give imperfectly there because it's perfect that which is perfect in your giving will go there and that will cause your stock to grow your investment there will grow and power to give purely and so forth so it's uh, very important that for property set set over and over and over and over again krishna the supreme personality of god krishna the supreme personality of god basically he's saying krishna's two bhagavan swayam krishna's two bhagavan swayam krishna's two bhagavan swayam jivagoswami has said what he said uh, in tattva sandarbha this is the paribhash shloka of the bhagavatam if you want to understand the tattva of the bhagavatam this is the key krishna's two bhagavan swayam everything revolves around this he showed it in his krishna sandarbha too he took this one line krishna's two bhagavan swayam and showed how the whole bhagavatam is to be adjusted around and understood around this so our author says little tattva will be useful and after all this krishna leela is a little difficult to understand we heard now the last time he's crying really crying and he's fearful and he's trembling and uh, we don't ordinarily think of brahman to be such the great one all pervading so a little tattva will be helpful <laughs> to get that in place first then we approach the whole affair and try to and be able to approach it properly to draw some feeling from it and so forth so here in in at the end, in the middle I should say or the end here of the second stands also there Shnatham Prabhu doesn't refer to it but some tattva is implied also in the very leela that's being described with relation to the tying we said it was two inches too short so eventually of course it was tied two inches were made up right when she made the effort he gave the mercy it was tied so some tattva is here also uh, we haven't discussed yet and that is the fact that what that she took a ribbon and she added a rope and then the neighbors who were looking over the wall having a fun fun of it you know that there see there he is he stole butter from you even you didn't believe us if she didn't admit it of course she kind of admitted it and talked to her husband and therefore those cows were arranged and so forth but to the neighbors she wouldn't admit that her son was was a rascal they were looking out see she he stolen but broke your butter pot too and they were loving and they were throwing rope over the 
this was a fun, really a fun thing. And cowherds, as I said before, when they have nothing to do, they make rope. Because rope is so useful, just kind of sit around and make rope. And so there was a lot of rope in Gokul, and all of it was used up, and it was still two inches too short. And the point of tattva here, what, is it's very central. Krishna is medium size, right? Just right. And uh, although the rope is two inches too short, and the more rope is added, he's not getting fatter and fatter and fatter, is he? He's not swelling up and getting bigger and bigger and giving any logic to why it's two inches too short and why only two inches and so forth. There's no logic to that. The purport, in a sense, in terms of tattva, is that this is the very canvas on which the art of Krishna Lila is is drawn. The philosophy, the Vedanta, that the bhakti arises out of. Achintya Veda Veda Tattva. That's what it's saying to us. This is what Mahaprabhu did, you see. He looked at the Leelas of Krishna. He didn't try to impose his intellect on the environment, on the what the Leelas were saying. He just accepted it as it is. Krishna's all, he's Brahman. So his form is all pervasive. His form is all pervasive. And at the same time, it's moving. How can you be everywhere and move from one place to the next? Logically, of course, you can't. So the Leela is, is showing this point of Machinta Beta Beta. He's everywhere. And at the same time, he's in one place. He's not getting bigger and bigger. It means he's everywhere. He's everywhere. You can't catch him with your mind. You can't catch him with your reasoning. You can't arrest him and prison him in your... In, between your ears and uh, make him to be less than what he is. And, and how he appears is otherwise from one perspective. He's actually all-pervasive. Of course, Mother Yashoda is not viewing from that perspective, but it will be useful for us to. Again, a little tattva is useful, so a little acquaintance with the uh, metaphysic of Gaudi Vaishnavism. I mean, our charities have labored hard to explain that that it will be useful for us. They will help us. Our shraddha, our komal shraddha, tender faith, has to be strengthened, and it will be strengthened by shastra. It should be shastriya shraddha. This is the difference between belief and what we call faith. Shraddha means not lokic shraddha, worldly faith, ordinary faith, but faith based on revelation, on shastra. So a little acquaintance with that and the philosophy, the tattva that underlies the whole lila, that will be useful. It's, so it's saying this. You see, Mahaprabhu, again, like other acharyas coming before him, didn't try to kind of <coughs> explain it away. It's one and different simultaneously. And, of course, it's a big topic. We're not going to go into the whole Vedanta of Chinti Beta Beta tonight, but this lila is said to bring out this point. He is everywhere. This is the one way of saying he's all-pervasive, he's imminent and transcendent at the same time. He's localized and, and everywhere. And it's not that his form is only in one place, but by his effulgence he's everywhere. No, his form is everywhere. <laughs> we are inside the form of Krishna. Mother Soda looked inside his form in another Leela and found everything there. She saw herself in there too, looking inside his mouth. And then inside that mouth, <laughs> everything, and then her inside him. Yeah like this. So, a little tattva. And more tattva, of course. This is how we crossed over and made the bridge to keep the wife and husband together from Namadarastakam to Shikshastakam. Third verse. The rope that tied them 
because the two inches too short, as we explained, represents two things. One is effort, and the other is mercy. And Yashoda Mahi made effort, and she's perspiring, flowers have fallen from her hair, and, and she is determined to tie up Krishna. The ladies are calling over the fence, you can't tie him up. His chart says he's destined never to be bound. She says, I don't care what his chart said. I'm tying him up. He's my son. I'm going to tie him up. So she made a really great effort. And effort was such that it attracted the attention of so many people. They put down, even early, several years early, the Indra Yoga, it might have been a little off balance that year. Of course, as I've explained, when Krishna grew up to seven years, I mean, he wanted to take on Indra for having caused the um, psychological you know, trauma that he had to undergo, being put down by his mother and then chased by her with a stick and then tied up and, and all. So, <laughs> so two inches too short. And, and so one of the inches is effort. We have to, in other words, to bind the Christian with love, we have to make an effort. And so there's something else we draw from, from the Leela in terms of how we will understand it as sadhakas, we must make an effort and it must be a pretty intense effort. This is not going to come cheaply. It's such a high thing. Kunti Devi reflected on this, as I said the other night. Her prayers are there. And she said, it is mind-boggling to me that Krishna is actually afraid. Fear is afraid of him, his name, and he's actually afraid of Mother Yasoda. It's a drama, but he's so absorbed in the drama that he actually experiences the feelings. Krishna is actually afraid. He's forgotten that he's God. And Kunti, who has some Aishwarya in her bhava that Yashoda doesn't have, at all. Hers is Gyan Shunya Bhakti, devoid of any even understanding that Krishna is God, which gets in the way, of course, of intimacy. Kunti, looking back, reflecting on that, through Kunti, Bhagavatam is saying, that's where you want to go, over there. Don't get distracted by me. I'm pointing over there. This is, she says, really blowing my mind when I think about this, this Leela. What is the measure of the love of Yashoda? What do you have to do to arrive at that? What kind of sadhana? What kind of effort you'll have to make? And if you understand it, then it won't be that hard because you'll be motivated. Um, someone was telling me the other day, there's a video that's uh, been produced of um, myself and uh, my godbrother uh, Narasimha Maharaj and Vishnu Maharaj speaking with Pujapad Sridhar Maharaj on his veranda. And it's got subtitles and so forth from, from years ago one of our the darshans we were having of, of his uh, divine grace. And um, he was asking me, and he knew his trip because those days things were pretty volatile. And, and we all thought any day now, everybody's going to wake up and see, you know, here's a real spiritual authority that can solve the problem of the lack of spiritual authority. Here he is. He's so affectionate. He loves us. He loves Prabhupada. And... And everybody's going to just realize this any day now, and all the problems are going to be over. Here's, you know, a guide that can take us through the storm, you know, the, uh, a light, uh, a moon rising after the setting of the sun of Srila Prabhupada's campaign. And the moon being, as it is, a reflective light, causing us to reflect back on what Prabhupada taught us, what the importance was, what it is we're connected with, how valuable it is, and so forth. And so the news was bad news, and I didn't even want to tell it to him, because I knew how it would affect him. The news was certain godbrothers of, of ours had 
had gone, had left the mission, and they were they were people that he knew personally. They were they were serving as, as gurus in a society, and um, one of them from France, and one from Los Angeles, and one from I don't know Australia or something like that, and all kind of at the same time, more or less. Since I had seen him last, it all left, and so I avoided. I wanted to avoid talking about it, but you know, but he asked, and he he had heard the room. He wanted confirmation. And as he talked about it, you could see he understood what it meant to be connected with Mahaprabhu and that ideal, how valuable that was. And the thought that these people had left it brought tears to his eyes. He just couldn't bear that they came for this and they're turning away. He just like couldn't bear it. And that Prabhupada had made such an effort and, and, and in other words, he knew the value of that. So if we have good company and we, we can just get some glimpse of what is the value of what we're connected with, what our prospect is, this is what the Bhagavatam is inviting us to, what Mahaprabhu is inviting us to, then it won't be hard to make an effort. If we connect with someone who has some real feeling for that, then that will be a, like a close link connection to that whole thing. That will keep us alive and growing and enthusiastic. So to keep our sadhana, our practice, our effort up to the standard, we need good company. Let's speak of us. Great devotees, far greater than us, are lamenting that they don't have good association. We, we sing our song of Narottam Thakur, his lament, where is Rupa gone, Sanatan, Raghunath. We should stop to think, how, who is he? He doesn't need good association, we think. He doesn't say, I don't need any good association. He knows what is the value of association. He wants that. We should gravitate towards that. We should try to get it, make some effort. An effort in general. This is big effort Prashoda Mayu is making. For the queen, you know, doesn't have to do much. She doesn't have to personally milk the cows, pick up the cow dung or anything. She's the queen there. And personally she's chasing after Krishna to chastise him, to tie him up. And, and when he sees that effort, then he gives his mercy. So we can get some inspiration from this. But then we may also think, yeah, but that's, you know, Yashoda. She bound him up. So, Sister Nathan Goswami in his tika, he, said, he refers us to another verse also to help us. He says it's implied here also. In the context of this Leela, he quotes a verse from Bhagavatam where Krishna says that he has done this, taken down the Jamalarjun trees, which implies allowing himself to be tied. For what purpose? We know from the feelings of the Acharya, their purposes directly, the Vatsalya Bhav of Yashoda. And it's really valuable for us to hear about that, or whatever our sentiment may be, for Gopi Bhav or Sakyaras, or other than, let's say, Vatsalya Ras. It's valuable for us because we need a mother too. We need a mother in that world. We need a form, we need a father, we need a mother, we need to be a member of that community. And the paradigmatic figure is Dashoda, mother, Nanda, father. So you should think like, I want Dashoda to be my mother. She's my mother. Nanda Maharaj is my father. You'll have your own mother and father. But everyone in the Braj feels they're our father, they're our mother. They feel they're good. They have so, they're so filled with that kind of affection for Krishna. It overflows as a Sanchari Bhav towards everyone else. So we should hear about this kind of love of Dashoda. And that's the main reason we know from those who, are, who have plumbed the depths of that, as I say, and brought that out and shown us the feelings of Vatsali. But there's a secondary reason, and that may be helpful to us. And what is that? That he did it to 
pull down the Arjuna trees. And what for? Why did he pull down the Arjuna trees? Because Narada had cursed them and by way of cursing them wanted to bless them and so to make good the blessing of Narada. And Narada is typically classified or described as a Sadhana You showed him is and Nitya Siddha, well, beyond that, she's not even Jiva Tattva, but the Adhar Shakti of Krishna, the holding up Shakti. Once the Mishra Maharaj asked me, what, who's the creator of the world? I said, oh, okay. he's, I know, if I say Brahma, he'll say I'm wrong. So he's got some idea. I said, I don't know who. He said, Mother Yashoda. The world has come from her. And he went on this whole explanation. That's quite nice. Sometimes it's said that, I think um, Kali Karnapur says, the whole reason for the Prakat Leela, the manifest Leela in this world, is to give Mother Yashoda a chance to actually have a son. Because in the Aprakat Leela, the unmanifest Leela, Krishna is not born. He's a Kishore. So she might question her motherhood there. Am I really his mother? <laughs> so the whole Prakat Leela to facilitate, and he actually takes birth. Incredible. So at any rate, Nard is considered to be a sadhana siddha. She's Adhar Shakti. We might think, well, how can I relate to that? Anyway, I can't, how am I going to get that kind of love? But Krishna is controlled also by Narada to some extent. And he sets a good example for all of us, at least in terms of Vaidhi Bhakti. That also is encouraging to us to know that Krishna responds to the sadhakas. In fact, that's another reason why he comes to the world. He says what? Paritranaya sadhanam vinashaya chaduskritam dharma samstapanartaya sambhavam yuge duge. So he comes to the world for two reasons, to do away with the miscreants and to protect the devotees. So what kind of devotees need protection? Well, the ones that are in this world, going there, they need to be protected or they need to be relieved from what? What kind of pain do they have? They're not asking Krishna, stop my headache, give me a bigger room, better place to live, a new husband. or They're not asking him like that, real devotees, right? They only have one kind of pain that they're suffering from, that they're reaching a point where they can't live without him. Those kind of sadhakas, Krishna's coming for them. He performs his leela for them to capture them up. And they're always here. Those, his eternal associates, then they come with him and we get their association and so forth. So he tenders to the sadhakas, they who made a lot of effort. <laughs> he cannot resist them. He gives his kripa shakti, his mercy to them. Any little effort, of course, he also responds to. That's why Sumanga Guru is called kripa avatar, kripa shakti, the manifestation of Bhagavan's mercy. And such gurus, generally, they are sadhana siddhas, and so they know, they have some experience of what it's like to suffer in the world. Krishna doesn't have any experience of what it's like to suffer in the world. And it's said that empathy requires some having, having had some experience. You have to make yourself, at least put yourself in that position and try to feel what somebody else is feeling. So the principal way in which Krishna's, Krishna's compassion, which he has, comes to us is through his uh, devotees, sadhana siddhas in this world, because they have some experience, and so they show some compassion, reach out to us. So Narada, to make good the curse of Narada, which was to be a blessing, so he's controlled also by such devotees, not to the same extent as Mother Yashoda, but that's meant to encourage us. 
if we know that Krishna is reciprocating with sadhanas and that some sadhanas become siddhas. Nowadays people like to say, well, as soon as somebody becomes a guru, then he came from the spiritual world or something like that. We should think the guru is nitya siddhan as much as Krishna is the guru. That's true. And Krishna is eternally perfect coming through. But mostly the gurus are sadhana siddhas. That's good. That's encouraging. Prahlada is sadhana siddha. People make this kind of differentiation between them these days. And, in the name of glorifying their guru or something like that. And uh, it's not accurate. Certainly Prabhupada, it's in a simple way, dismissed it. And there's volumes of philosophy to dismiss that misconception also. When Prabhupada would say, Sadhana Siddha and Jasiddha, the real word is Siddha. That's what matters. When he was asked himself, is Sadhana Siddha or Nijasiddha? He said, the word is, the important word here is Siddha. However you get there, you know, that's what. <laughs> it's not a lesser position. Siddha means Siddha. So, two inches too short, effort, and they respond to the effort by giving his mercy. It's said, you know, that there are two schools in the Ramanuja Sampradaya, the monkey school and the cat school. You might have heard it. So one school says that we will progress like the kitten. The kitten simply meows, and the mother cat picks the kitten up by the back of the neck and carries the kitten everywhere. That means no effort, just mercy. It doesn't matter what you do, it's only mercy that you get delivered by. The other school is the monkey school of thought. And if you've ever seen the monkeys, then monkeys have to hang on to their mother. And the mother will carry them everywhere, but they have to hang on. It said if they let go, then she won't pick them up again. Thinks they're incompetent. So the other school says effort is everything. One school, mercy is everything. Other school, effort is everything. And we don't buy into either one. We say both. Effort and mercy. We should make effort as if it was only dependent on effort, while knowing, without mercy, it's not possible. We shouldn't think, well, by mercy I'll be delivered. <laughs> you will be, but not if you think like that and don't make any effort. Effort will call the mercy, naturally. So, here are some things to be drawn from the uh, second verse and third verse. Uh, so, he says, Iti means like thus, and um, Sanatana Prabhu has said that thus, pastimes like this, all these childhood pastimes of Krishna, itidik swalila vir, the author says swalila. So this is Krishna's swalila, his own lila. This lila is not performed by any other avatar or anything close to that, his own lila. It means, like we say, swayam bhagavan, swayam means also like himself. God himself, or God when he wants to be himself. Just like the king wants to be himself. means that the king is a position that one takes, but he's got his own life too. And his wife doesn't call him king. <laughs> She's got a lot of names for him behind closed doors. Or his daughter doesn't call him king. She may call him by so many affectionate names, and he may put down his crown, put the crown on her head. You are the king. And what do you want? I'll do whatever you like. So, it's kind of a reality for everyone. You know, we have our own private life. So, Swayam Bhagavan means Bhagavan's private life, when he wants to be himself. You've got to be around only certain people when you want to be yourself. Otherwise, it will be a problem. That's why this whole Golok Leela, Krishna Leela, is kind of a secret thing. And it's really, like, shocking. If you understand it, it's shocking what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has done. 
Oh my God, he's telling that everywhere. Just It's like, how will people understand it? It turns the whole religious world on its head, upside down. Here are these people dealing with Bhagawan like this in ways that would appear inappropriate externally. Therefore, Nityam Bhagavata Seva. You have to study Bhagavatam very, very carefully and serve the Bhagavat person very, very uh, sincerely to, to understand the secret of this. We kind of think we got it because we don't have much background and so you hear it a certain way and it makes sense. So the people who are a little more educated in the whole of Shastra and the whole Dharma and uh, what is Mukti and Vaikuntha and all these people, they just like, this is like unbelievable what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu has done. To make this thing just everywhere available, just distributing it like water, looking at people and giving it to them. Such a high ideal. This is Swalilavya, my own Leela, his own Leela, when he wants to be himself. And he's got to be around then, they said, certain kind of people. When you want to be yourself, well, it's only going to be with really intimate people. So, Swalilavir, Anandakunde, Swagosham. Swagosham. With his own people means Swagosham, with all the Gopa people, all the Gopi people, all the Go, the cows, the cow herds, the milk maidens, and the whole, it's referring to the whole of Brudge. This is his intimate setting. This is where he can relax, be himself, take his crown off, put on a peacock feather, to have access to this. This is very extraordinary. In the previous verse, it said what? Muhushashvakampa Kampa means like trembling. And we heard out of fear, looking like this, rubbing his eyes, looking, is mother, mother going to come? Is she going to catch me? Out of fear. We know that fear causes ecstatic symptoms and, and love causes ecstatic symptoms. Here is the fear as a kind of love by Ankara. This is a secondary rasa coming to the foreground. And... Uh, the Vatsalya that he's tasting as Rasika, Krishna's Rasa and Rasika. He also tastes Rasa, receding to the background and crying and trembling. Kampa means Sattvika Bhav. In all the Rasas, there are eight Sattvika Bhavas, except in Vatsalya Rasa, there's one more. There's nine. The ninth one is milk flowing from the breast. This Vatsalya Bhakti is such a big thing in Golok. It's huge, this sentiment. That's why it said, Yatra chiradbi surabhibhya palayantam vajeshweta dvipam tamaham golokumitiyam. It's shweta dvip. It's an island. And sayatra chiradbi surabhibhya. There's cows that give oceans of milk. Milk means affection. You can't get milk without affection. You can't force a cow to milk. If she doesn't want to milk and let down that milk, She's got muscles in there that she holds it back. Unless she's treated right, gets affection, it won't come down. Of course, I suppose they, they do something these days. They're not too affectionate in some of these places, but that's not good milk then. <laughs> not good milk to drink for different reasons. But anyway, milk means, in our culture, it means affection, means love. You show the mice the sea in Krishna and milk pouring from her breasts. Ocean of milk means that. You know, they went to the shore of the ocean to milk, Brahma and Shiva, and they prayed for Krishna to come to, to Vishnu. And so it means that we are separated in this world by an ocean of affection that surrounds Bhagwan. And we have to give up our 
self-centeredness and so forth and actually become lovers to go there, swim in that ocean. It's deep and it's broad. You have to go deep in it and broad means you have to share it, give it out. So, sajatrasuradbi surabibhya chasumahanna pajesheta dvipam tamaham gologamitiyam. This is a Brahma Samhita says, this is a very rare place. I worship that place, Svetadvip, the White Island. It's known to very few people in this world. Brahma says, very, very rare place. There, the cows are giving oceans of milk. <laughs> and they appear themselves like waves in that ocean. Big bulls walking across the landscape and so forth. Vishwanath Chakravati Thakur has described them in this way. It's all poetry to try to like speak about what is the nature of this plane of, of love and selflessness and so forth. So this is the cow cow place, Swagosham. These are the kind of people, milk people. Like you hear Narutam Thakur, how he left the world, he turned into milk. You know the story? <laughs> he turned into milk, he melted, and, and it was all, his body was made out of milk. That's inconceivable. <laughs> So to be made out of milk, to be made out of affection, something like that. This is the idea. Soft, soft heart. It is bhakti. Tender heart. So swalilabhya means, requires swagosham, my own people. To do my own thing and be, what, be, my, be myself, relax, just to be myself. I need my own people. And together, there, anandakunde. We're drowning in ananda. Anandakunde. It's not an ocean of ecstasy, it is, but it's described as Anandakunde, lakes of ecstasy, because there are so many different kinds, <laughs> variety, of, the whole place is ecstasy, the movements are ecstasy, Anubhavs, the clouds are not raining, they're crying, they're crying in ecstasy, this is Ashru, all the movements, Anubhav, Satvikabhav, the feelings that, that foster the movements, Sancharibhav, Stayibhav, and so forth, Vibhav, it's all Rasananda, it's a world of... Rupa Goswami tried to explain it like this. So, Swali Milabir, Anandakunde Swagosham, and Akyapayantam, Nimajantam Akyapayantam. So it comes to this then, he says what? That Akyapayantam Tadiyeshitagneshu Bhaktajitattvam. The author says, uh, "One everybody to know this from from this lila. There's something to be learned, and what's to be learned is that you cannot get that close to Bhagawan. Mother Yasoda is like a standard of how to get close to Bhagawan. Her measure of love, Bhaktajitatvam. In that love, there's no gyan. It's suppressed by that love, I should say. It's gyan, to use the language of Ramananda Roy, gyan shunya bhakti." Shunya means without, empty, without knowledge. It means without knowledge of the godhood of the Godhead. It's Madurja, not Aishwarya. So Swagosham, this means his own people. His own people means what? Prema Madurja. You know, Krishna has these qualities that Narayana doesn't have. Venu Madurja, Rupa Madurja, Prema Madurja, Lila Madurja. Madurja here means sweet. It means without being influenced by the majesty or the reality of the godhood of the Godhead. It's there. There's more Aishwari in Vrindavan than anywhere. Look what he did, what he showed to Brahma. That's incredible. He showed 
Narayans, not universes emanating from his pores, but Narayans emanating from his pores. Narayan had one of his qualities, universes emanate from the pores of his body. It's poetic. Krishna's got Narayans emanating. I said, whoa. Brahma saw that and he said, yeah, Krishna's too, by the ones. You're the source. So, Aishvarya is there, but they're not influenced by that. The Prem is not, not diminished by that. So, this is Prema Madhurya. And in order for there to be Prema Madhurya, this is Lila Madhurya, I should say, sweet Lila. In order for there to be Lila, there has to be Prema Madhurya. And Prema Madhurya means the devotees who have that kind of love. And so the message here is what? Is that we should aspire for Gyanshunya Bhakti. And there are many other kinds of Bhakti, as Bhagavatam has explained as Ramanam Samvad and Chaitanya Charitamrita explained, as Sanatana Prabhu in explaining the Bhagavatam has explained in his Brihat Bhagavatamrita, so many types of devotion. Up to bhakti that's pure and that it has no motive, but it's adulterated by Aishwari or the knowledge of the godhood of Krishna that doesn't allow for intimacy. So, Tedi Nyeshu, that's that kind of bhakti. With that kind of bhakti, you cannot get close to Krishna as Mother Yashoda has. She shows a different standard of bhakti. This is the kind of bhakti Mahaprabhu is coming to give, to make make news of, to, to make available. And then he concludes by saying what? He says, Puna prematastam shatabhiti vande. It's a big finish. He says, so I offer vande to that Lord with prem, prem, hundreds of obeisances. So he said, out of love, I'm offering obeisances, or in love, I'm offering them. You kind of wonder, like, well, wait a minute, you know, you just said you can't get that kind of love if there's any Aishvarya, sense of Aishvarya, you have to go beyond that. It's beyond that. And here you're offering obeisances thousands of times. Sounds like, well, it's kind of... So he kind of tries to qualify it by saying, with with love, I'm (laughs) offering my respect. But there's another way to understand it also that's very, very useful to us. And it speaks loudly of the, the very heart of Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur's conception of Rag Bhakti and how to attain that, that ideal. There's a little little sonnet that he wrote. He actually wrote about six, five, six verses, and one of them has been singled out. Pujapad Chidamar says it's inscribed on the over the temple in his Chaitanya Saraswati Math in big letters. It goes like this Pujula Raga Bhange, Matala Harijana Vishaya Rangay. Sometimes it's also said Pujula Raga Bhange. Matala Harijana Kirtanarangi. Vishaya Rangi Kirtanarangi. This is very interesting. This was composed by Bhakti Siddhanta Sarasri Thakur along with a few other verses, and the devotees were given this in Calcutta at the time when the deities were taken from the rented house to the Bhag Bazar Moth, which was, which was the marble temple, which was like a huge thing. I mean, they were living in huts, you know, in Navadweep. And, and since the time of the Goswamis, there weren't these big sandstone temples in Gaudiya, Gaudiya Sampradaya. So, to leave Mayapur, as Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati did, for preaching, and then build a marble temple. It's like, wow, a marble temple. And it cost a fair amount of money in those days, and probably as it does today, for that matter. And so he wrote these verses, and these verses were to be sung as the deities were taken from the rented house into the, into the temple. And this one is, is the heart of it. Pujala Raga Patagaurabhanga Matala Hadijana Kirtanarange. And what it's saying, Pujala Ragapata. So this here connects here because another way of understanding this is Punaprematas Tam Satabhuti Bande. I offer my respect 
thousands of times to that kind of bhakti. I'm worshipping that. Pujala Raghupati, the path of Rag is Pujala. Pujala means worship, puja, worship. And worship implies a distance, a separation between the object of worship and the worshipper. There's me and there's the object of worship. Love bridges this gap between the worshipper and the worship. We go from ritualistic bhakti to love. And you can understand it in the context of the Leela. All the things that are going on in Artik and the Seva Puja in the morning, it's all going on in the Leela. But it's, has it, it's, it's not in symbolic language. It's fully expressed there. Like Govardhan has explained beautifully by Jiva Goswami. How he's offering all the 16 kinds of paraphernalia to Krishna. The grass for sitting and the birds are chirping with song and waters for bathing and cows are dripping their milk and it's mixing and Madhuparkam is made and a hill and so forth. You know, all these things in the Seva Puja, those of you who have done, you know, all the uh, Argyam and uh, Achman and uh, Madhuparka and you know, so on, the lamp, light. And he explains beautifully how Govardhan is doing all these things. So that's, You see that this is one example. How they, I've described this temple worship sometimes as the, as the realm of ritual. It's kind of halfway between the spiritual world and the material world. And some meeting ground there. And by learning the language of that and how to move there and so forth, we can enter through the window, for example, of the altar into the world, the motion picture, from the still picture into the motion picture of the Leela. We can do mantra mai upasana. We get a mantra from Guru. That means we can do mantra mai upasana. This is a means a kind of meditation by mantra on Leela or a frozen picture of the Leela that, that, the, that the altar, for example, represents. And from there, when done right, appropriately, it turns into Swarasika. It's spontaneous. The Leela starts to move and awaken. And that's when the devotee then kind of steps back from the realm of ritual. And his or her Nambhaja in the heart, in the heart is uh, awakened and alive and being cultivated through Nam, Harinam. So, idea here is, is, is that Pujala Raghapata, he's saying, thousands of times let me offer my respect to that kind of bhakti. So he's admitting, there's some distance between me and that kind of bhakti, but I will worship that kind of bhakti. I'll show respect to that kind of bhakti. I'll hold that above my head. I won't try to go there with my shoes on. I'll know my place. I'll worship that means that will be my ideal. I will not move from that ideal. I may be down here, but I'm wherever I go, I'm connected to that ideal. That's what I want. That's where I want to go. This is what my Gurudev has come to represent and offer me. I want to go there. Having that ideal is so powerful that it's central to the whole sadhana. You see, the people who love Krishna like that, the idea that you would want to do that, that's very attractive to him. You're so audacious that you think like that. He has to take you a little bit seriously. So, nonetheless, Pujala Raghapata, with great regard, will hold that thing. People misconstrue that, misunderstand it, and make a mess out of their spiritual life, and distort the teaching, and so on, it's cheapen it, and so forth. And Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasattva, as you know, was very much against this. What, what a horrible thing. I mean, what's worse, a thief or, you know, a, a counterfeit? Counterfeit's like even like worse. It's like a fake dollar, and, uh, you know, so a false thing. To this, we want a real, real idea of Goloka, a real way to enter there. So. With regard, we will hold that Leela high. So how we do that? Pujala Raga put the Gaurava Bhange. 
we'll hold it on high until Gaurava Bange. Gaurava means reverence. So we'll, we'll worship it and hold it with reverence, that kind of bhakti, until Bange. Bange is locative. So at a certain time, Bange, it will be broken. The Gaurava will be broken. The reverence will be broken. We'll cross in there. Pujla Raghapata Gaurava Bange Matala Hari Janak Vishayarange. The Hari people, Harijan, the people of Hari, who are really the people of Hari in this world, this is what they do. They're really connected with what that is. They've got Sambandha Gyan, proper understanding. This is how they conduct themselves, these people of Hari in this world. They worship that ideal, and how do they worship it? Kirtan. Matala Harijana Kirtan Arangi. They play in the waves of Kirtan, preaching, dissemination, Kirtan. Very absorbing. As Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur conceived of it, how to explain these things to, you know, uninformed. Wow, what a challenge, right? There has great potential to absorb your mind, which is pretty much the task. You could just go sit in the jungle and remember Krishna and chant Japa all day, but probably you start thinking about eating and sleeping and, and other things, and not so easy. But this is easy way, he said. Kirtan, kirtan, kirtanas prabhavi smaranas vabhavi. He wrote a poem like this, Bhakti Siddhanta, and one of the one of the lines: "By the kirtan of Prabhavi, by the force of kirtan, smarana swabhavi, remembrance or meditation on my swabhav, my, my my real inner nature, they will come naturally, it will come almost automatically. The mind will be arrested in kirtan, and it will come out. So, throw yourself into the kirtan. This is the idea. And sometimes I said it's vishaya rangi or kirtan rangi. Vishaya means like enjoyment." So Sridhar Maharaj said, once explained, he said, we were building that Bhagavazar Moth, that gold marble temple. We were going to people and asking them for donations, and they're just throwing it at that temple. And they thought, you know, this was like, what? When they saw how we would use them, just all that, you could be feeding the poor, you could be, why a marble temple and a golden throne? And a, It's just like, if you have a rich man, you hear a story, I read a story once in a newspaper on a plane, an Indian man had a wedding for his daughter and spent like two million dollars or something on the wedding. And the whole article was just like, how disgusting, you know. It was so much money could just be thrown at such a such a thing. So the people were thinking like this. They're taking this money and they're throwing it at this marble temple. It's just like a like a rich man that just just wastes money. Wasting money. Collecting, they're going out begging and throwing it all at the temple. So the idea was something like this that what separates us from that realm, in a very basic sense, is our separate interest. And our separate interest is our interest in all those worldly things. So go collect all those worldly things and just throw them in the river. Money is good for throwing away. That's what it's good for. That's what it's best for. Just throw it. That's what it looks like to come. They're just throwing this stuff away. They're building this temple and it's just a statue. Just like throwing the money at this. And, and they always want more. They want a new outfit for Krishna. Has he got enough? What does God need? You know, these kind of things. You know. And we're just like throwing money at it. The best, sorry, I mean, I remember it used to be in ISKCON in the, in the 70s and so forth. All the temple presidents of North America, they'd show up for the Mayapur Vrindavan Festival and, and they'd have these money belts on, like sticking out like this, you know. Like, and then they'd come to Vrindavan and just... Lloyd Bazaar, just you know, ten thousand from Chicago, you know, twelve thousand. I want, you know, this crown and that, and this throwing all this money that they had collected, you know, just for the deity. It was really exciting, actually. 
every year it was like 10, 15,000. What do we get this year? And that's what they were living for, raising money. Of course, they had to give some of the book fund and, and then whatever they had left over. They could spend for their fun. That's how they had their fun. They'd go to Berdobin and, and all the all the shopkeepers, of course, they were having fun too. <laughs> they just like loved it. So, you know, a person like Prabhupada, he's providing you know, for everybody on every level. Really wonderful, wonderful thing, wonderful time. <laughs> So like this, just like throwing it, like probably one is like he thought you got Western facilities and money and so forth, and and uh, you, know, you have some attachment to it, so, so take it and just throw it at the deity, just throw it there, and as this you do that, it comes out of your heart, your own separate interest, the glitter of the world, you have attraction for it. Okay, take it and use it in Krishna's service, and then what happens is that the attachment for it goes away if you do it right, and you're now practically, really, in a pragmatic sense, you're bridging the gap between you and that ideal. Because what is the center of that ideal in one sense? It's absolute selflessness. Absolutely selfless. Gopis, gopas, it looks selfish, even, the way they deal with Krishna. It looks like they have their personal interest, but it's love kind of camouflaging itself. That's why, again, you have to read Bhagavatam really carefully to understand what's it all about. So this is, there's no other way, I can tell you, there is no way that you are going to go there without doing this, without getting rid of separate interest. You can talk about any leela, memorize any shloka, and, and do whatever you want, but as long as you have separate interest, as much as you have is as far away from there as you are. So we don't have some other method to get rid of separate interest, but in the context of regarding that leela appropriately, We'll empty our hearts out of self-separate interest by engaging the world, so to speak, and our worldly propensities and so forth, all in Krishna's service. Throw your money away. That's the real, real wealth. And so, Satyavrata Muni is saying something like that. I worship that Pujala Raghapata Gaurabhangi. I'm waiting for the time for Gaurabhangi when that will break. He's done a kirtan here for us to help us in this regard. So there's something, anyway, about the end of the second in third verse of Dhammadrastakam, Shri Dhammadrastakam ki jai, Kartik Vata ki jai, Snatama Sami Prabhu ki jai, Esi Bhakti Vedanta Sami Prabhupada ki jai, Mukti Rakshidadev Goswami Maharaj ki jai, Mukti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur Prabhupada ki jai, Shri Bhakti Vinod Parivar ki jai, Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai, Gaur Premanandi. So any question, comment? Yes, Maharaj. Yeah, no questions are stupid. Okay. You're stupid not to ask the questions. Um, well, you were saying how Mother just said it, isn't it? Just said it. And um, <clears throat> for, you know, Prabhupada mentioned many times that, of course, it says in the Bhagavatam also that there's different um, rasas that everybody attains, like Saudi mm-hmm. Ras. And so, um, devoted, Nitya Siddha means they've never had to experience anything in the material world. So what about the devotees who do experience, you know, are sadhana-siddhas, but then they, they become a nitya I mean, how can you become a nitya They become sadhana-siddhas. Nitya-siddha means that they're always perfect, and sadhana-siddha means they become perfect by their by sadhana and by practice. So they become perfect. Is Mother Yusada ever a sadhana No. So then how can someone like anybody from the material world that does finally... Maybe they take the position of Krishna's mother. Do they? I mean, they do, right? What happens is that 
The jiva, who's a badajiv, who's materially conditioned, by the grace of Sri Guru, Brahmanda Brahmite Kon, Bhagilan Jeev, Guru, Krishna Prasade Pai, Bhakti Latubij, you get the seed for bhakti, faith, and then they grow in that, right? And when they become perfect in that, then they enter into the Brajalila, and then when it winds up, they go to Golok with all the inhabitants. And then they have a position there that by the generous nature, if you will, of the Swarup Shakti, they can function there as if Swarup Shakti. Their position doesn't change. They're Jeev Shakti, but they're imbued with the Swarup Shakti. Just like in a sense here, we're Jeev Shakti, but what we are, in another sense, is the influence of material nature that's causing us to be what we appear to be. So by the influence of the Swarup Shakti, then we can function there. And then so you have these paradigmatic figures like Malyashoda, Nanda Maharaj, like Subal, Sridham, like Lalita, Vishaka, and, and so forth, in these different camps, right? Patsalya Bhakti, Sakya Bhakti, Sakya Rasa, Gopi Bhav, and so forth. So there are principal players there. They're already in place. You can't take their position. You can't become them. But you can attain the Bhav that they have, Tad Bhav. So we follow in the wake of their Bhava. We cultivate that. And so like you take Subal. He's one of Krishna's intimate friends. He has millions and millions and millions of friends who all serve under him. And they're under him, there's one, and then there's a, he has his group, and he has his group, and, and so forth. Thousands and thousands of groups. And Krishna, of course, is not linear like we might want to think about it. So he can be reciprocating with everybody. You know, you think about it, how many leelas there are. <laughs> he's reciprocating with everybody at the same time. And everyone's seeing something a little different. He's attending to everyone. And at the same time, we're serving our group leader. Our Guru Dave, he's there, we're serving him, and he's serving his group leader and, different, and so forth in different ways. And sometimes we get direct service to Krishna. Go and massage Krishna's feet, you go. Sometimes like that. So it's something like that. You're entering into a whole hierarchy, and you're part of it. You don't miss anything, but you don't take their place. You don't become Mother Yasoda. But you have motherly feelings for Krishna. And sometimes, just like you take, okay, take the Brahma Vimohan Leela. There's an instance in which... Krishna allowed many, many, many others with the sentiment, cows and mothers. They're all in Vatsalya Bhav, right? Vatsalya Rasa. Those cows are always giving their milk to their calves. And then some of the milk is taken for human use, right? And some of that may go to Krishna, maybe. But those cows want to give all their milk to Krishna. Those mothers have their own sons. They're more attracted to Krishna. They have a relationship with their sons. That's called a sanchari bhav that augments their stai bhav, their dominant emotion for Krishna, of Vatsalya, for example. So in the Brahma Vimohan Leela, one of the reasons Krishna performed the Brahma Vimohan Leela was to let all those mothers and all those cows directly give their milk to him. So he took the shape, right, of all the sons and all the calves, and so the cows and the mothers for one year were directly serving him in that capacity. So they had a chance for direct service like that. Otherwise, it's generally indirect, and but they're fully steeped in the bhav. Our goal, therefore, is not Krishna, but love of Krishna, and therefore the ideal of love that we follow is almost more important to us than Krishna. That's why we find in Shikshas in, in Guru Vastakam, Sakshad Haritvena Samasta Shastra Kintu Pravorya Priyavatasya. First vision, Guru is Krishna. Sakshad Hari, right? All the Shastra says he's directly Krishna coming to us. Kintu, however, but Prabhupada, he's dear to Krishna. So he has a relationship with Krishna. So in time, 
his relationship with Krishna becomes clear to us. Therefore, Guru Devaya Vidmahe Krishnanandaya. Vidmahe means tattva. You want to understand Guru Tattva and Krishnanandaya. And you want to become absorbed and meditate on what? On the ecstasy that of Krishnanandaya that my Guru is absorbed in, that he's following. So that's Kintu Prabhoriya Priyavatasya. I want to become that. You want to become that kind of love. That's again the a difference between worship and love. You want to become the love. You don't become the person, but the love that they embody that you want to become, and you become a, a shape of that, if you will. There's your form to function in the whole Leela. So it's something like that. There's a huge hierarchy in this, and they're all wonderful to me. I mean, just like you find Gopu Kumar, he goes to Vaikuntha, right? In Bhagavatamrita, he sees one devotee, he goes, wow, that must be Narayan. Oh, man, it's just like... It's like, yeah, there's nothing, you think, well, wait a minute, I want to serve Krishna directly. No, again, it's indirect, right? Vaishnava is indirect, and that's good. I mean, you take those coward boys, what do they mean to Krishna? You take that Brahma Vimohan Leela. He manifested himself as replicas of all those coward boys for one year, and he couldn't do it anymore because he wanted the coward boys themselves. And he knew their hearts so well that he could replicate them so that their mothers couldn't tell the difference. I mean, that's pretty good. And he, he knew their hearts so well. So nobody's missing out or anything. By Bhaktivinoda Thakur says in one poem, he says, well, it is every now and then at a distance I see her. He's talking about Radha. I saw her, I saw her. Some service. Make the camphor lamp. Kamala Manjari. That's what he does. That's all he does. Make a camphor lamp. That's just, it's a big thing. You know, if you do it right. <laughs> So you, you kind of get an idea. It's like a multi-dimensional affair. You know, you have your Astakal Leela, the eightfold Leela of the daytime. You know, of Krishna, the twenty-four hours of Krishna, and a, a devotee can just go into one and stay there forever, just stay in that one forever, and they're living there. You got to kind of stop thinking about it in a linear way. Well, that helps at a certain point. You know, to get some structure and and so forth. It's very um, unlimited. It's said about the coward ladies, the gopis, that every one of them wonders. Does Krishna love me? And that's, does he love me? Does he love me not? That's the nature of romantic love. They're always having some doubt like that. Then he's reassuring them. And amongst the coward friends of Krishna, every one of them thinks Krishna loves me the most. And Sanatana Goswami says, and they're all right. They're all correct. <laughs> he loves me the most. And they don't become proud of it. They think, wow, how fortunate I am. We should share this with others. This is the kind of place we're going. Sridharmarsh once described it like, if you could imagine Hora Station in Calcutta, you know, the train station, and all of a sudden everybody says, oh, you first, no, you first. No, you, you ever go to the trains and, you know, everybody's like, go in there first. If it just would all of a sudden reverse, you first, no, you first, no, you first. Go. Nobody would go anywhere. You don't need to go anywhere. That's the whole point. <laughs> it's all right here. <laughs> Snow greener grasses. Karma and Gyan means you think you've got to go somewhere. And Bhakti means you don't have to go anywhere. What else? Another question? Well, actually, in Bhagavatam, I think it is explained that Mother Yashoda performed many, uh, she, she had like many pious births before her, many austerities. And it's, just, it's kind of it's explained along those lines. Mm-hmm. And it's true for gopis, and it's true for Mariyashoda. That's how Srimad Bhagavatam is There are some verses that say that, but you have to study the whole Bhagavatam, and you have to study it under the 
guidance of Jiva Goswami, and then you won't be under the misconception or Sanatana Goswami that that's what it's saying. That will be taking it out of context, and they have shown that in their commentaries. To think that Mother Yashoda had to perform austerities, or even Devaki and so forth, and fast and eat only the leaves that fell from trees for 12,000 years and, and so forth in a previous birth to get an expert. To think that is to contradict what the whole, the, the central message actually of the Bhagavatam. So they've shown that very nicely and then what they've, what they've explained is that these verses are referring to is the souls who have taken shelter of them, heavenly souls who have taken shelter of them in their appearance on earth and had to go through such in order to attain to develop and grow in that regard. It's a big topic, but you take a person like Madhva, for example, Madhvacharya, and you see that nobody can understand the Bhagavatam like the Gaudiya people because nobody respects it like the Gaudiya people. Madhva appreciated the Bhagavatam, but we accept it as the very heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu because he embraced it like that. So Madhva will take those verses and say the Gopikas, they're heavenly damsels. Here's a verse that says it. But Jiva Goswami will say, here's a verse that says this. Now, I'll show you why that's not what the Bhagavatam is really saying. And another explanation has to be there. Otherwise, the central message of the Bhagavatam is, is contradicted. And so that's what they do. Like, for example, in, in, you'll find that kind of thing in uh, Krishna Sandarbha, Jiva Goswami. And in some extent in the comment of, comments of Sanatana Goswami, who Jiva Goswami is a faithful follower of. Sanatana Goswami is the main commentator on Bhagavatam. Because if Krishna doesn't have an eternal mother who's his eternal associate, then how is Lila eternal? I said it's Lila Madhurya, but for Lila Madhurya you need Prema Madhurya. So Krishna himself corresponds with the love of Krishna. You know, Krishna standing next to Radha, that's the full Krishna. Krishna standing next to Yasoda is pretty full. But so these are all different visions of him. They're seeing, you know, to one extent, Madhurya you're seeing everything. In the view of Radha you're seeing everything about him. So... The point is that Adonai Krishna corresponds with the Prem. So if the Prem isn't eternal, like Chaitanya Charitamrita explains, Nitya Siddha Krishna Prem, Sadhya Gunai, Sravanadi Sudhachite, Kodai This Prem is not something to be, it's causal, that it is brought about by something. It's eternally existing. Krishna Prem Nitya Siddha, and Sadhya It's not to be attained by by anything. Or in other words, it didn't exist at some point and you do something and it's created. No, Shravanadi Sudhachite Kariya Udai. By hearing and chanting, it will awaken. But it's eternally existing. That means it has to be. Because Krishna corresponds with that kind of love. So if that Prem of Mother Yasoda, for example, is not eternally existing, then what's to be said of his Leela? Then it's causal. At some point when she developed to this point, through other things, then it became possible for Krishna to... No, Krishna corresponds with... This is the Chintibeda Ved. He corresponds with that love. That love is Krishna. That is the absolute responding, reciprocating, right? Yeyatamam prapadyante, as Gita says, tam sataiva bhajamim, I reciprocate accordingly. Krishna means... That's what it means. He, he's in their hands completely, controlled by them. So the prem, you can't have Krishna... Without Yashoda. You can't have Krishna without Radha. You're going to have something else. You're going to have, well, Krishna in Mathura, Krishna in Dwarka, but he's got associates, they've got Prem, maybe with Aishwarya, but without the Prem, there's no Krishna. These two are, you've got to have the two. So that's the whole philosophy, right? 
Krishna is eternal, he's the Swayam Bhagawan, and so on and so forth. So his Leela is eternal, so that Malayasoda must be, he must have an eternal mother. You can't have one who just was a conditioned soul, became a sadhana, sadhaka, and became perfected, and so forth. So this way they've, they've so deeply understood the message of Bhagavatam, and then they find alternative explanations for those verses, put them in perspective, that other acharyas and other sampradayas, because Bhagavatam isn't their main focus, and they don't think that Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam, they're at liberty, they feel, to interpret it a different way. But and it may look, well, that's what it says. It says it right here. She performed it. Yeah. But I, you have to read Jiva Goswami. And he said, then you really know what the Bhagavatam says. I mean, it's unbelievable the way he makes his point, his case for Krishna's two Bhagavan Swayam. He takes every statement in the Bhagavatam that would appear to say otherwise. And this, here's one of them. If he doesn't have an eternal mother, then, okay, then he's not eternal. And that Leela, then that Leela's caused at a certain time. No. So then he then he goes and he and he shows from other places in Bhagavatam and then how to understand that in context. I mean these Goswamis they're living in that Bhagavatam. They they know it better than Vyas, the author. Vyasa Vetina Vetiva. It's not for any small reason that Mahaprabhu pointed them out to us, singled them out, stepped on their heads, Rupa and Samatan, and powered them and said, It's all gonna come through you, what I'm about. And Narutam picked up on it. Sri Chaitanya Mano Vishtam Stapita Nina Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamayam Dirati Swapatam Dikam. When will that the understanding of Rupa Goswami, who really understood the heart of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, when will that come within me? Their teaching had to be studied. Another question? Yes. So the if the Prem, Krishna Prem is there already with the Jiva. But then It's there. It's not with you, but it's there. It's eternally existing. Prem is eternally existing, but not the jiva doesn't eternally have the prem like dormant within or something. It's just it's the prem is the control of this rup shakti. Just like the you know, there's the the Maya, you know, there. The, the there's different ways of talking about it, of course. But what Bhaktivinoda Thakur has explained, and we all coming from him, right? And Prabhupada is representing him, is that the is that the um there's like a nitya dharma of the jiva, which is to serve. There's a loving propensity. There's some ananda in the jiva. And this is supported in Sanatana Goswami. makes it clear in Brihad Bhagavatamrita and so many places. There's ananda khan, a particle of ananda. The jiva satchit ananda. The ananda's small in comparison. So ananda means what? Ananda means that there's some capacity for loving in the jiva. And so it's expressing that in relation to matter. But it, it has this in it. It has this capacity to love. So when that capacity of love that is minute in the jiva, if it's brought in touch with the swarup shakti of Bhagwan, in which Ananda is huge, Ladini, then in connection with that, it has a chance to grow in its Ananda and love Krishna. So it has the propensity to love Krishna, and that it has the propensity to love. And it, what it needs is like a, an investment from the land of love, because there's not much here, right? <laughs> Even in Brahman, there's not much. It's practically just relief from, from suffering. So connection with that, which comes through Guru Parampara, then you can grow in that. Like Bhakti Vinod says, Purup Shakti is the fountainhead of all Shakti. So... 
It's full of ladini, sandini, some bit a super sandini, super existence, some bit super knowledge. It's so super that it appears like you don't know, right? They don't know. It's kind of an ignorance. They don't know that Krishna's God. It's like, wow, <laughs> what kind of knowledge is that? And then Ananda, just oceanic. Therefore, Rupa Goswami says that the bliss of Brahman seems like a tiny atomic particle, you know. And if it were it multiplied a million, trillion fold, it couldn't compare, he says, to a tiny atomic particle of the bliss of Shuddha Bhakti. So, here, that's your Swarup Shakti. Then you've got Jeev Shakti. And Jeev Shakti, he says, is a partial manifestation of the Swarup Shakti because there's some Ananda, little, some Sat, some Chit. If you were to remove the ignorance from the Jiva, then it could taste Brahmananda. But that's a far cry from Leela. Then you have Maya Shakti. He says Maya Shakti is a distortion of the Surup Shakti. So you have Asat, Achit, Nirananda. The Jiva, being conscious by nature, if it comes in touch with Surup Shakti, then it can make a union with that. And it's, it's Sat, it's Chit, it's Ananda, can, can come under the influence of Sandini, Samvit, Ladini, and it can function in that world. It's what has the capacity, has the potential for that. Maya Shakti doesn't, comparatively. You understand? So it's there in potential if you get the right association. Just like a person might be a cook, but he needs ingredients, he needs a stove, he needs, and without that he can't. So He's a cook, but, but he's not a cook. <laughs> you wouldn't know it. But if you give him the ingredients and give him the cookbook and whatever and the, and the stove and all, something like that. So how is it that the Hare Krishna Mahamantra then? Because Goloke Premodham. It's coming from Golok. And coming through the Guru Parampara, right? To us. And by Shravanadi Sudachite. By hearing and chanting, etc. Navalakshan Bhakti. Shravanadi Sudhachite. What happens? Cheto Dharpanamarjanam. First thing, Sudhachite. The Chitta, the consciousness, Cheto. Dharpana marginum, same thing. Cheta chitta, same thing. Dharpana marginum, cleansing. So Sudha chitta, the consciousness become clear. That's the first thing that happens. And when it becomes clear, it's like a crystal, spatik mani, like a crystal. Jiva Goswami gives this kind of example. If you take a crystal which is clear and you put it next to a red rose, it'll be red, right? So when the heart is clear from hearing and chanting, which is the positive culture of that love, when as a result of that positive culture of love, the negative influence is removed, then that jiva next to that love takes on that color very naturally. Karaya udoi, it starts to awaken. It becomes apparent. Then bhava, and then the bhava is cultivated and so forth. You understand? It works. <laughs> All right, so we've talked a long time. Maybe we should stop there. Sri Kartik Bratati Jai, Namadastakam Ki Jai.